Good morning. It's every year during the first Sunday of Lent, we hear the familiar story of angels leading Jesus into the desert where he fasted for 40 days and nights and was tempted by Satan. What's interesting is to note where this story appears actually in the Bible. For the line that immediately precedes this gospel story reads, and a voice came down from the heavens saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Seems kind of strange, doesn't it? Right after God declares how much he loves his son, he immediately sends him off into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Doesn't seem like the way you would treat your son or daughter. So there must be a reason why the gospel writer crafted this story of the three quintessential temptations to immediately follow the initiation of Jesus to his ministry. What point was Matthew trying to make? And how does that relate to our own Lenten journey? Some theologians speculate that the story of the temptation in the desert is actually a compilation of temptations that Jesus faced in his lifetime, which kind of makes sense. We often forget that Jesus was like us in all things except sin. Thus, he had to have faced the same constant temptations that we still face today. Pride, privilege, and power. The difference is Christ faced them down every time. But for us, and for our church, not so much so. And it is the addiction to these temptations that can lead us to see the world in a different and twisted way. We begin to interpret the world by eyes that do not see and ears that do not hear. We begin to focus on making sure we feel comfortable and we feel in control. We begin to place more trust in ourselves than in anything else. For some time, this may seem to be working, and then one day, it doesn't. It's at that point we begin to ask the deeper questions like, why do I have cancer? Why did I lose my job? Why did my marriage fail? Why do I feel like I'm being punished? After all, I follow all the laws and I come to church pretty much every Sunday. Doesn't God love me? Before you know it, this cascades to where we reach a point in our lives where we feel disappointed in ourselves and in others and question, is God even really out there? So I invite you to sit back and listen to this true story of a Catholic University professor and his student, Tommy, because I think it sheds some light on the core of this gospel. I stood watching my students file into the classroom for our first session in the theology of faith. It was the first time I met Tommy. I'd never seen a boy with hair that long. I immediately filed Tommy under S for strange, very strange. Tommy turned out to be the atheist in residence in my course. He constantly objected to, smirked at, or whined about the possibility of an unconditionally loving God. At the end of the course, after enduring each other for the entire semester, he asked in a slight cynical tone to me, do you think I'll ever find God? I decided instantly on a little shock therapy 
No, I said emphatically. Oh, he responded, I thought that was the product you were pushing. I let him get five steps from the classroom door and then called out, Tommy, I don't think you'll ever find him, but I'm absolutely certain that God will find you. He shrugged a little and he left my class and my life. Later, I heard that Tommy had graduated. Soon after that, I heard Tommy had terminal cancer. Before I could search him out, he came to see me. When he walked into my office, his body was very badly wasted and the long hair had fallen out due to the chemotherapy. I blurted out, Tommy, I thought of you so often when I heard you were sick. Oh, thanks, yes, I have cancer in both lungs. I have but a few weeks. Can you talk about it, Tom? Sure, what would you like to know? What's it like to be only 24 and dying? Well, it could be worse. Well, like what? Well, like being 50 and having no values or ideals. Like being 50 and thinking that booze, seducing women, and making money are the real biggies in life. But what I really came to see you about, Tom said, is something you said to me on the last day of class. I asked you if you thought that I would ever find God, and you said no, which surprised me. Then you said, but he will find you. I thought about that a lot, even though the search for God was hardly intense at that time. But when the doctors removed a lump from my groin and told me that it was malignant, then I got serious about locating God. And when the malignancy spread into my vital organs, I really began banging bloody fists against the bronze doors of heaven. But God did not come out. In fact, nothing happened. Well, one day I woke up and instead of throwing a few more futile appeals over the high brick wall to a God who may or may not be there, I just quit. I decided I didn't really care about God. I decided to spend what time I had left doing something more profitable. I thought about you and your class and I remembered something you had said. The essential sadness is to go through life without loving. But it would be almost equally sad to go through life and leave this world without ever telling those you loved that you had loved them. So I began with the hardest one, my dad. He was reading the newspaper when I approached him. Dad? Yes, what? He asked without lowering the newspaper. Dad, I'd like to talk to you. Well, talk. I mean, it's really important. The newspaper came down three inches slowly. What is it, Dad? I love you. I just wanted you to know that. Tom smiled at me and said with obvious satisfaction, as though he felt a warm and secret joy flowing inside him. The newspaper fluttered to the floor. And my father did two things I could never remember him ever doing. He cried and he hugged me. And we talked all night, even though he had to go to work the next morning. It felt so good to be close to my father, to see his tears, to feel his hug, to hear him say that he loved me. It was easier with my mother and my little brother. They cried with me too and we hugged each other 
and started to say real nice things to each other. We shared the things that we had been keeping secret for so many years. I was only sorry about one thing. I had waited so long. Here I was just beginning to open up to all the people I had actually been close to. Then one day I turned around and God was there. He didn't come to me when I pleaded with him. I guess I was like an animal trainer holding out a hoop saying, come on, jump through, come on, I'll give you three days or three weeks. But apparently God does things in God's own way and in God's own hour. But the important thing is God was there. God found me. So you were right. He found me even after I stopped looking for him. Tommy, I think what you're saying is something very important and much more universal than you realize. You're saying the surest way to find God is not to make God a private possession, a problem solver, or an instant consolation in time of need, but rather being open to love. Tom, could I ask you a favor? Would you come into my present Theology of Faith course and tell him what you've just told me? In a few days, Tommy called and said he was ready for the class, that he wanted to do that for God and for me. So we scheduled the date. However, he never made it. He had another appointment, far more important than the one with me in my class. Of course, his life was not really ended by his death, just changed. Before he died, we talked one last time. I'm not going to make it to your class, he said. I know, Tom. Will you tell them for me? Will you tell the whole world for me? I will, Tom. I'll tell them. I'll do my best. We may not have cancer like Tommy, but we all carry our baggage, our wounds, our addictions, and our crosses to bear. And what Lent calls us to is for us to stop burying our crosses, stop blaming others for our crosses, stop pointing to other people's crosses, and most of all, stop blaming God for our crosses. See, the mistake we make is feeling that being a son or daughter of God means that I will not be hungry or naked or sick or vulnerable or broken. On the contrary, it means just the opposite. Lent is not about burying our crosses. It's about embracing our wounds, our losses, and our failures. Because just as Tommy discovered, that is where God waits for us. It's the space where God is able to connect with us. It's the place that our eyes will be open and our hearts will overflow with joy that we are all beloved sons and daughters with whom God is very, very pleased. <laughs>